Hello and welcome back to Nancy Goodaim, the Space Ranger. You're about to listen to Chapter 16. A hen, a daw, a tree, and away we go. The morning of the third day of the first human expedition on another planet began with a forest, a crossbow, a stream, a Martian sheriff, a Martian waitress slash astronaut, European Space Agency Mission Specialist Nancy Goodaim McGinley, European Space Agency Mission Specialist Bart McMorrow, and the Jupiterian founder of the Hobblegranaker Defence League, Gumgolliger Unterwackel, also known as Bit. Now, the best time to catch a whistling spontalger is just before dawn. They are delicious and contain all the nutrients a hungry, sleep-deprived European Space Agency mission specialist might need. To catch one, you just need to sit close to water and whistle, or so the story goes. Unfortunately for Nancy, Bart, Martina and the Sheriff, their Jupiterian host assumed they would have viewed the eating of a raw spontalager as primitive. And above all else, Bip wanted them to think he was cool and sophisticated, so they would help him kill Sosman Borkstapel. And Sosman's murder was a profound existential matter for Bip. So, in order to appear cool and sophisticated, Bip figured the best thing to do would be to offer the visitors some halibaloobleberry mush. Because when you mush halibaloobleberries together, just like many exclusive and rare foods on earth, they look and smell awful. Which, reason Bip, must mean they are fit for the most exacting of gourmets. The problem was, there was a good reason why mushed halibaloobleberries look and smell awful. And it was the reason neither Bip nor any other Jupiterian he'd ever met had thought to eat them before. And he was about to discover what it was. Is anyone hungry? asked Bip. The group had all been swung down to the left bank of the stream thanks to some skilful spongorial vine cutting and selection by Bip. The sun was yet to rise and the only light was the reflection of three moons and a host of stars from the water in the stream. Mission Specialist Bart McMurrow, Mission Specialist Nancy Goodaim McGinley, Martian waitress slash astronaut Martina Ruddlesplitch and the sheriff had been following Bip along the smooth shingle bank as best they could. They had travelled roughly eight feet downstream when Bip turned around and asked the question, which meant Nancy, Bart, Martina and the sheriff were looking at Bip when he spoke. Yes, said Bart. Yes, said Martina. Yes, said the sheriff. Where are you going to find food around here? asked Nancy. Nancy didn't know it, but her question had confirmed Bip's assumption that the consumption of the clearly audible whistling spontaligers would be viewed as primitive. Oh, there's lots of food around, Bip replied. Once you know where to look, he added. He grabbed a vine tested it for size and strength and said, Wait here! Nancy Bart Martina and the sheriff then heard the clean whoosh of an axe and the almost silent rustle of an elevating by spongordial vine Jupiterian. Where's he off to? asked Bart. I don't know, I'm not from round here, answered Martina. None of us are from round here, noted Bart. The first glow of sunrise started to break through the thick tree canopy. It coloured the forest surrounding them. Were it not for the strange whistling of the spontaligers and an abundance of purple-leafed shrubs, they could have been unearthed. It looks strangely familiar, muttered Nancy. It should do. You were here earlier, noted the sheriff. And I'm certain that our Jupiterian friend has gone to fetch us something to eat. You know what they say in the Book of Bongerlon? Thou shalt not kill on an empty stomach. We have a saying like that on earth, noted Bart. Only without the full stomach part. Hmm, noted the sheriff. No wonder your planet is a dump. How could you know that? Asked Nancy. He talks to the gut, explained Martina. A swift, sharp whoosh followed the silence that followed Martina's reply. And that was followed by the founder of the Hobblegranaker Defence League, who landed neatly and silently next to Martina, Nancy, Bart and the sheriff. He was out of breath, holding an axe and cradling an armful of tennis ball-sized purple berries. Is this the breakfast? Asked the sheriff. Yes, puffed Bib. 
He then dumped the berries in a small pile on the single bank in front of the group. The light was just enough to reflect a slightly confused expression on his face. The expression was because he had never deliberately mushed halibaloobal berries before and was not sure what the best method of doing so would be. Bip settled for standing on the berries and then mushing them into the sand. Bart, Nancy, Martina and the sheriff watched with curiosity. Bip glanced up and watched Bart, Nancy, Martina and the sheriff watching with curiosity and suddenly felt under pressure to know what he was doing or at least looked like he knew what he was doing. So he knelt down theatrically, grabbed a fistful of the mushed berries, picked some of the larger stones from it and tasted what was left. It was vile, but he suppressed a grimace and said, Perfect! The breakfast of champions! This is what we always eat for breakfast in the Hobbit-Granicker Defence League! Bip could feel himself starting to sweat. His head was feeling light. There was a vague and unusual pain in his stomach and a burning sensation as the mush had its way through his digestive tract. He bent over, grabbed another fistful of the mush and offered it to the visitors. Unfortunately for Nancy, she was standing nearest to Bip and was also a generally polite sort of person who figured it would be rude not to try the repulsive look in morning feed. She cupped her hands and Bip dropped a lump of the mush into her open palms. Nancy then carefully picked out a relatively dirt-free section of the mush in two of her fingers from her right hand and brought it to her mouth. She then let her left hand quietly drop the rest of her mush serving as she did. The taste was not just disgusting, it was painful. Ugh, she said. Who else would like some? Asked Bip. Are you mad? Asked the sheriff. Not for me, said Bart. It's got dirt and stones in it and you've just been standing on it and I've no idea where your boots were before they did that. So no, said Martina. Nancy could feel herself starting to sweat. Her head was light. There was a vague and unusual pain in her stomach and a burning sensation down her throat where the mush had been. She was then violently and repeatedly sick. Coughing, puking, struggling for breath, coughing and puking again occupied 85% of Nancy's conscious mind. But the other 15% was vaguely aware of something evil watching them. Something that was calculating a primitive and effective way of bringing about her demise. Glock! she said and farted. Ah, Nancy, what were you thinking eating that mush? asked Bart. Ugh! she replied and puked. It wouldn't have been the food that sickened her, said Bip. He said it in a very low and unconvincing tone. This was because he was also feeling the need to vomit and was only suppressing a violent shower of bile with steely determination to look cool and composed. The 15% of Nancy's mind that had been aware of evil lurking gave her an instruction. It told her to grab her crossbow and arm it. Nancy's puke spasming torso complied with its mental instruction and shakily grabbed the crossbow that was slung over her back and armed it with a bolt. I know, come on, Nancy, said Bart. The food here can't be that bad. Nancy didn't reply, but spun around in a slow circle instead. Her head was throbbing, her eyes were watering, her world was spinning, and what was left of her situational awareness was desperately scanning the trees for a foe, and she saw something. It was at that moment that Bip's steely determination to look cool shattered. Bip collapsed in a fit of farting and vomiting. The brightening glow of morning sun reflected from a splatter of green on the shingle in front of him. Is it me? asked Bart. Or does that mush look nicer going out than it did before it was eaten? Cough screamed Nancy. What did Nancy say? asked the sheriff. I've no idea, replied Martina. Speak up, Nancy, ordered the sheriff. Now, what happened next happened quickly. It involved a ferocious and malevolent creature known as the Tangagan rising up on its hind tomper knuckles. Two terrified European Space Agency mission specialists, a terrified Martian waitress slash astronaut, 
called Martina Rodelsplitch, a terrified, but trying not to look terrified, Martian sheriff, a convulsing Jupiterian, who was barely aware of what was happening, and possibly magic. The Tangagan! roared Martina. She was stating the obvious. The enormous, ugly creature was splayed across the bank some 20 metres downstream from the group. Its torn tombernuckles were arched and tensed in anticipation of a death leap. It looked as if it was deciding who to kill first. Bip, who was on his hands and knees vomiting, had been unaware of the danger he was in. He wobbled to his feet and swung his axe in several different directions. Quick, he spluttered. Everyone grab a mongordial vine. He then dropped the axe, farted, and collapsed back onto his hands and knees. Run, said Bart, who was too scared to run. Stand your ground, contradicted the sheriff. He fumbled for his crossbow and succeeded in tangling its strap in a knot under his armpit. The Tangagan had now entered into a state known as its death notch. It involves selecting the fastest route to the central nervous hub of its target. So the Tangagan can not only consume the flesh of its prey, but also their thoughts and dreams. Nancy somehow knew this. She also somehow knew that the extended snout of the Tangagan provided a route into the ugly and evil mind of the creature. For, as with every other creature in the solar system, in order to receive knowledge, the Tangagan must first open its mind. And by opening its mind, it became vulnerable. Nancy gripped the crossbow. Her head hurt. Her vision was blurred. The world around her was spinning and changing colour and distorting and echoing. Yet still, she somehow knew what she was doing as she did it. Something told her to fire a bolt at the extended snout of the Tangagan. Something told her that that bolt would find a home. And that, despite everything that was going on, the loss of contact with Earth, the death of a bobble, the kidnapping slash buggering off of Mission Commander Jerry Staunton, the trip to Jupiter, the talking stream, breached Antalium, and the rubbish breakfast, despite all these things, she should trust her instinct and let the bolt fly. The Tangagan widened its snout and sensed the fear and weakness of victims. This is normally the last thing his victims ever see. The Tangagan gained the knowledge that its five victims were humanoid, terrified, and that the shortest route to their thoughts would be through the fleshy underside of their severed heads. It also gained a crossbow bolt, which flew in through its extended snout, pierced its hamnongular membrane, and embedded itself in the core synapse of the Tangagan's brain, which caused the brain to stop being a brain, and the Tangagan to yell out the word ARF before collapsing in a lifeless heap. You have a good aim. Well done, Nancy, congratulated the sheriff. Don't worry, though. If you would have missed, I would have taken care of that creature myself, he added. What did the creature just yell? asked Martina, who was staring wide-eyed at the Tangagan's body. Sounded like arf, replied Bart. It was arf, wasn't it, Nancy? he added. Nancy wasn't listening. Her instinct was no longer telling her anything, and the world was spinning. She got sick again, dropped the crossbow, and ran. Well, it was more of a stumbling trot style of gait, but in any case, it took her quickly enough away from Bart Martina, the vomiting bip, and the sheriff to make it difficult for them to follow her, which they might have done if they weren't mesmerised by the now dead body of the Tangagan, and in the case of Bip, being violently sick. Spongorial vine, shouts Butter Bip, who had collapsed face first onto the ground, his arms stretched limply sideways and his arse sticking up from his kneeling legs. I don't think that fella is too well, noted Bart. What do you mean you don't think he's well? Bart asked Martina. He's on the ground in a pool of puke. He'll be fine, noted the sheriff. I've often been worse than that, and I was fine. It must have been the food they ate. Nancy is the same. How did you ever become an astronaut? Of course it was the food they ate. Did you not see what it looked like? Nancy was mad to even try eating it, said Martina. 
and to think everyone gives out about my food on Mars. Where is Nancy? asked Bart. He had just looked away from the collapsed pile of fangs, tomberuncles and sinew that had been the tangagan to a puke stain and crossbow on the shingle where Nancy had been standing. And that was it for daybreak on the third day of the first human expedition on another planet. An abandoned crossbow, a stream, a deceased tangagan, a Martian sheriff, a sick Jupiterian, a Martian waitress slash astronaut, European Space Agency mission specialist Bart McMorrow, and a sick, lost, dazed and confused European Space Agency mission specialist slash hero on Jupiter. And that was chapter 16 and 17 will be long next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>